Hey gang, Ross Brand here for LivestreamUniverse.com. Welcome to Livestream Stars. We have a terrific guest tonight. Joel Com joins us. And Livestream Stars is the show where we feature talented broadcasters delivering high-quality content across livestream platforms. And our guest tonight, Joel Com, is a popular talk show host on live video and podcast platforms. He currently hosts Joel.Live Wednesdays, 3 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live. Also hosts the Fun with Joel Com podcast. And when is it not fun to have Joel Com on the air? He also runs the live video marketing mastermind Facebook group. Joel is a New York Times bestselling author with 12 published books, including the AdSense code. Click here to order. Kaching, Twitter Power 2.0. And uh, about eight more that I can't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> Joel has appeared on the, uh, in the New York Times. He's been on John Stewart's Daily Show, CNN Online, Fox News, and many other places as a public and motivational speaker with upcoming keynotes at Summit Live in L.A. and Social Media Marketing World. Joel speaks on a variety of business and entrepreneurial topics. He presents a step-by-step -step playbook on how to use social media as a leveraging tool to expand the reach of your brand, increase your customer base, and create fierce brand loyalty for your business. And, of course, you can find Joel online at joelcom, C-O-M-M, and at joelcom.com. And don't put the second M on the second com. <laughs> no, do not. That sounds like something I would have written, Ross. It does. It sounds awfully familiar. Uh <laughs> by the way, it's 13 books now. 13 books. What the latest? The latest is the easiest book that I've ever written. Uh, my publisher came to me, uh, David Hancock and Morgan James and said, uh, "We think that your do good stuff um brand, which I own the registered trademark for the little do good stuff guy that we put on t-shirts, would make for a great book." And um, I said, man, I don't have time to write another book. He says, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand. Uh, this is the book right here. And uh, this is actually a cooperative effort because whoever gets the book can write it with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a journal. It's the Do Good Stuff journal. All I had to write was what's right here on the back. And uh, the rest of it is cooperative. So I, I said, can I officially say I've now written 13 books? He said, absolutely. It's your book, isn't it? So there you go. Oh my! I I guess when you have written uh, bestsellers and stuff, then you you sometimes get an opportunity to just put your name on something and not actually have to, not actually have to go through the burdens and the pains of of writing a book. Words uh, are hard. Words yeah, are, words are hard. You know, I just I I have a shortage of them. I use them all up when I speak, and there's nothing left for writing. Uh, before we get into talking about live video and, and social platforms and some of the other things you're, you're working on, I wanted to ask you, um, for people who haven't written a published book and, you know, gotten a hardbound or paperbound edition and all that, which now seems to almost be like having a business card or a resume, right? Not talking about having 12 in a New York Times bestseller, but even having one book published is quite an accomplishment and and seems to be like really important if you want to do speaking or be a public personality or anything how would you recommend someone who kind of has the urge and has some ideas go about not just writing the book but making a pitch so that they can get that book published by you know a publishing company or do they self-publish how, how would you suggest aspiring authors get started well, really, really great question, and, and I'll tell you why it's so timely. Um, first of all, I concur with you completely that I believe and have for about 10 years now that, um, that writing a book is the single greatest thing that you can do to enhance your credibility and your reputation and your position in the marketplace. Uh, we just grant a lot of authority to the written word. In fact, I'll just give a shout out right now to uh, our friend Amy Schmittauer, whose uh, who's new book, you know, I just grabbed the, the first book that uh, was on my desk next to mine. This is her new book, um, Vlog Like a Boss. Amy's done really great on YouTube and she just released her first book. And you know, my friends send me their books all the time, although I ordered that one on Amazon. And what this does is it takes 
Amy's existing credibility as a YouTuber, and it kicks it up a notch because there's something about a book. There's something about words on a page that we we grant more authority to. You know, most of us were brought up being read to, hopefully, by our parents or teachers or sibling or grandparent. You know, when we were younger, we went to the library. You know what a library is? Those places where you go and see books. You know, we'd go to the bookstores, and there is something about the authority that comes in a book. Well, that authority still carries over today. And uh, um, I believe that, for example, um, the book becomes a message, but it's a vehicle more than anything. It is not an end in itself. And I'm primarily talking about those of us who are writing nonfiction books, right? Fiction, totally different. But nonfiction books um, are a vehicle to take you where you want to go. It's an introduction. It's a beginning of a conversation that we have with our readers. But that then should be leveraged to um, to podcast interviews, to hosting our own show, to media coverage, to getting speaking gigs, right? Whatever it is that you want to do to sell ancillary products that can be profitable, because I promise you, unless you are Tim Ferriss or J.K. Rowling, this is not a very profitable venture. You know, for a, a book that costs probably, I want to say $15, I'm just guessing, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you go through a publishing house and you end up with a buck a book, you got to sell a lot of books, to uh, to be highly profitable. but So it's all about what comes as a result of that book, which is one reason I keep writing them. Um, the other is because I love dabbling in so many different fields. So that's that, that goes to your premise. The, the question you had about how do you go about doing it is a huge question. And one of the reasons it's so timely is because a couple of years ago, I did a book camp with one of my friends who is the a publisher at Morgan James Publishing. I've done six wow. of my 13 books through Morgan James Publishing. And uh, we did a book camp for, I want to say, 40 people over one day, and he and I have been talking about doing this again, a two-day event in April. I don't have any other information yet other than to say, your question is so big, um, Mm -hmm. there's so much to publishing, not just uh, um, coming up with what your book is, but what avenue do you go? Do you self-publish? Do you Kindle publish? Is it physical? Do you go with a traditional publisher? Do you do the new hybrid models? To uh, the marketing, building out your funnel and, and deciding where is it that I want my book to take me and how do I get there? How do I stand out with my book? How do I get speaking gigs? How do I get on podcasts? How do I promote this? Uh, so as more information is decided on this book camp, I'll be able to uh, come and tell you that this is being held, you know, uh, we're looking at April right now. Not sure. Nothing's not definite. We need to talk and nail it down and, and I'll get back to you. Wow. That sounds great. Um, while we're talking about books and since you wrote the book on Twitter, in fact, three of them, right? You have three books on Twitter. Let's, on let's, over there. let's turn our attention to Twitter because, we did, we did our, we did our predictions uh, this year, our eighty-eight predictions. There we go. That's, that, that, by the way, Ross, that is my bookshelf. Um, and when I say my bookshelf, I mean that everything on that shelf is either written by me, translated into another language, or I have contributed to the book, or it's a book that I helped one of my peers write. The whole. That whole shelf is full, and they're one of those, and I'm really proud of that shelf. Do you know how many languages your books have been translated into? Um, Chinese, both traditional and uh, I think Mandarin and and traditional, Um, Italian, Polish, Korean, Japanese, Portuguese, um, and I think 70s. Plus English. <laughs> I'm guessing tra- translating the good, good, the do good stuff book won't be much of a burden. Oh, yeah, this one's really easy. In fact, <laughs> this is now available in all languages. <laughs> and, and speaking of availability, um, Eileen Smith asks, uh, where where can you get that book? Where oh, can Amazon. You order? Just go to Amazon, do a search for do good stuff, and the journal will pop up in uh, blue and black. Okay. And so with, uh, I mentioned Twitter and, 
and you submitted uh, one of the cool things about the predictions article that I did with the 88 predictions for 2017 for live streaming and, and social video and all that stuff was between the time you gave me a prediction, like as soon as I, I think probably like within an hour or something of when I, I, I messaged you about doing it, right? So between the time you gave me that prediction and the time that the article was actually published, your prediction, one of your predictions had already come true, which Which is that Instagram went live and added live video. Um, But what is also interesting is your take on Twitter and how you thought the stock price would drop and eventually it would get acquired by a media company and all. And you also, I believe... Uh, if not here, somewhere else where I saw you did a prediction, I forget now, you rolled into Periscope was going to go away and it was just going to be Twitter live. And talk about how, you know, what's in the news today kind of relates to where you see things going with Twitter. Yeah, well, it's definitely coming true. I mean, there's there's no reason for Twitter to hold on to the Periscope brand. Twitter's greatest power is in the name Twitter itself and the 324 million monthly active users. And getting them to adopt another app uh, in order to go live just makes no sense. So, so, of course, Twitter purchased Periscope almost two years ago, March 2015, and uh, they've slowly been integrating it. It used to be the first iteration was when you tapped on live within the Twitter app, it would launch the Periscope app. As of last December, that code is now integrated into the Twitter app. There's Periscope is falling in terms of its own downloads. There's no reason to support it anymore. And there was an article on uh, Recode.net today that says Periscope CEO Kayvon Bakepour is now running all of Twitter's live video products too. It's an expanded role, which brings into question the future of Periscope. It's going to have to go away. There's no reason to support it. And my prediction has been for, I don't even know how long now, that Periscope will become Twitter Live. Interestingly enough, Twitter's already started using the hashtag go live. And so uh, it's just a matter of time and, and Periscope would be phased out. The real question is, how will they port your Periscope followers over mm-hmm. to Twitter? Right, because the, it's different. Uh, those that are following on Periscope are more engaged with the live videos, and you know I've got almost twenty thousand followers that have said I, we want to follow your live videos. So, uh, but I've got eight hundred twenty thousand people following me on Twitter. Well, I want to make sure that those twenty thousand still have the notifications turned on and still get flagged when I go live. Uh, but it's just a matter of time. It's going to happen. I think it's uh, they're just pr- probably trying to figure out how do we do this. Right. And and from looking at the interface or whatever, there, you can't tell the difference whether you yourself are live or somebody else is live. It's the exact same experience, whether they go live from Twitter or they go live from Periscope. Um, but there is that community aspect of Periscope. And I'm wondering with the larger followings that people have on Twitter, Will you see your, your your kind of your core people from Periscope f- finding your 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 live broadcast as easily as they do when you went live, and they could find it by going to Periscope? If you're on Periscope, right. you get you know you have a certain limited number of people that you follow who are actually live, and you can jump on theirs. If I think about all the people that I'm following on Twitter, I mean, come on, it'll be it'll be like a, yeah. half an hour till I get down to you know where's Joel going live? You know, right. I mean, it's like- well, you know, uh, Ross uh, Brian Fanzo's on. He has a uh, you might want to pop that up there. He says I still don't see it going away in 2017. User experience of Discover is unique on Periscope app versus Twitter versus Facebook. No question about it. So all of that functionality needs to be ported over to Twitter. And it's going to happen in little bits and pieces, but they're going to stop promoting the Periscope app. Periscope is as high in the app store now as it's going to go. It's just going to, there's going to be less and less people downloading it. There's going to be less and less support of the app directly. And I believe that all of that functionality that we love about Periscope needs to come over to Twitter. And it will. It's going to happen. It, it, and, maybe, and it, it probably will take some time. 
And maybe there could be a second follow button, right? Like you follow somebody on Twitter, and then if you'd like to be notified of their their live videos or if you want to prioritize, something like that to where you still can narrow down who you're getting live videos from so you, you get those notifications and a priority or some some right. way to keep that community feel together on the larger platform. I agree, uh, Ross. They're gonna ha- When they port it, they're going to have to port it with all the settings intact. Um, you should, so if you have people that are following you on Periscope, that notification should automatically port is turned on to Twitter by default. You know, uh, with other th- apps, you can't, you can't necessarily do that because you have to have permission, but they've right. already given permission. Mm-hmm. People have already said, we want to watch your live video. So just because the brand name is changing is no reason to cut that off. <coughs> Excuse me. And Aaron Roth says he's that he's liking Instagram live best these days gets me in front of a completely different community. What are your thoughts on Instagram live? And do you have a theory? Is Instagram live not recording because Facebook hasn't figured out how to make that work on Instagram? Or is it a conscious decision that people will engage with their friends and their community more when they're not concerned about a replay or (laughs) repurposing or any of that stuff. And it'll create a totally different environment. Okay. So first of all, um, my theory is that they're in no hurry um, to, to make it so that it saves it. They've got time to figure this out. They've rolled it out. You can now go live. I don't like it. I don't, I, I just, for, you know, maybe if I had a bigger following on Instagram, uh, but if I'm going to create content, I want to be able to save it. I want—I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to say next. I don't know what I'm going to encounter. And if there's something really cool that a guest says that I come up with that I show and I can't save it, um, then I can't repurpose it. And listen, you don't have to uh, save them if you don't want to. It's like that on Periscope now. You can uh, save them for replay. You can delete your Periscopes if you want to. You can do the same thing with Facebook if you don't want it to be out there. But give people the option to save it. I would say that they're in no hurry to uh, to do it, but I think eventually that option will be there in Instagram. Eileen asks, do you think for uh, Periscope and Twitter that they'll Im- improve the stats on Twitter Go Live? Um, I guess you'll get whatever Periscope is capable of giving you, right? Is there a difference between the stats you get on Twitter and Periscope, or you get the same? Well, you can always just go over to Periscope and get them, right? I mean... Yeah, uh, you know, I like using uh, uh, Fullscope, uh, you know, um, to, to Casey Zeman's software to uh, to check out my stats more in depth on Periscope. But, you know, as it is, Twitter gives uh, better analytics for tweets, and I think they just need to integrate, you know, if for a video, your view time and, and uh, minutes watched and all that uh, with, um, w- with the rest of the Twitter analytics. We're and they will. About- All that's going to happen. This is not rocket science. This is as plain as the nose on your face. It will happen. Periscope will go away. All of Twitter... All the live functionality that we now experience that's worth keeping will be in Twitter, in one app, in one place, on one site. And hopefully, if they're smart, they'll find a better way to integrate it and promote good videos. Rachel Moore says, give us analytics. Yes. <laughs> we want analytics. Analytics. Go protest sign. We want <laughs> analytics. That's going to be the next one. <laughs> that takes Hashtag, place. not my analytics. <laughs> We're talking with Joel Com here on Livestream Stars. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, if you don't mind sharing it out, please go ahead and share it to your community. And let's get more people here for Joel and get more questions for Joel. Uh, it's so great to have Joel Com from the Live Video Marketing Mastermind Group joining us here as well as a keynote speaker at Summit Live and at Social Media Marketing World. Can you give us a little preview maybe of what you're going to be talking about this year? Jazz hands. Yes, that's what it'll be. <laughs> um, actually, <laughs> the uh, Summit Live is in uh, February 22nd through 24th at the Biltmore Hotel in Los Angeles. And if you don't have your ticket yet, 
get one. What are you waiting for? Um, I'm opening up the, um, um, the convention and it's going to be about the future of live video. So I want to give a quick uh, overview of where we've been in a state of the union, where we are, and then uh, to talk about where I see this all headed. And um, it's going to be super fun. I've got some ideas. I'm, I'm one of those that um, I don't put my presentations together until a few days before I have a creative burst of energy where everything just comes together. So even I uh, do not know exactly what I'm going to say, but <laughs> I'll say something. And then social media marketing world, that, that's probably too far off, right? March. Uh, well, the social media of- marketing world, uh, they, they always have multiple tracks. There's anywhere from 10 to 12 sessions happening at one time. And this year they're doing something very new. They're actually naming four of the content tracks. And one of them is live video. So it's my job to do the opener for that live video content creators track. Um, But that's all I know so far. I don't know what else I'm going to say. And any... um any advice, any thoughts for those of us who are new to speaking at uh, live streaming social media conferences about how to go about uh, giving your speech or uh, engaging with an audience at one of these conferences? What do you think are a few key points that you know, you've know you kind of picked up on over the years and, and work for you? So we're talking about being a better speaker? Is that the, the or question? Just, just this type of audience, this type of subject matter, is there something that you feel that people really connect to? And Well, look, first of all, we, we know uh, anybody who's involved in this space now understands the importance of authenticity, of just being you, of not being a poser, not trying to pretend, just doing your thing. Realize that people like, know, and trust you for who you are, um, not for who you're trying to be. And so, you know, when, when I speak, it's just, you, you get the same guy no matter where I am. Um, there's, there's no pretense, you know, if you meet me on the street or if you meet me on stage, I'm going to be the same guy because I've discovered that's just the easiest thing to do. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can smell fake, you know, you can smell. Uh, it makes it easy to keep your story you. straight, right? It does. <laughs> it really does. Um, that means that occasionally on stage, I will put my foot in my mouth. I will insert that puppy so far in my mouth, it just goes right back into place again. You don't, you know, just like went around the world. There it is at the end of my leg. Who knew? Uh, and, and just own it in the moment. And what that does is it, it frees you, liberates you to share what you're passionate about, to share what you know. And so, uh, you know, when, when, People want to go and speak. It's the same as when they blog, when they write, when they do live streams. Don't try to be like anybody else. Just just do you, the best you that you can be. And when you're doing you, um, the good news is you can't fail at that. You will right. always succeed at doing you. And and focus on the the thing that that you know that you feel in your heart and know in your mind that other people aren't talking about. You have to carve out a space that's all your own. It's really easy to say, okay, here's the things that you need to know when you're doing live video because I've read a dozen Mashable articles and social media examiner articles and this is what everybody says. But it's that one thing that you want to do that nobody else is talking about and you're, you're thinking to yourself, I might get laughed at, you know, if I say that, or what if I'm wrong, you know, about that? Uh, What if it makes me look stupid? I say, (laughs) who cares? That thing that you're afraid of, I don't care what it is. Take it outside the live video world. Take it directly to whatever your niche is and whatever that thing is that makes you different. That thing that you're afraid of, ooh, that is a clue that that could be the very thing that'll set you apart. And it's the thing you should be talking about. That's why I go out on a limb with my predictions. There's nobody else out there that's predicted that Twitter's going to get acquired by a media company when their stock plummets to $10 a share. I was very specific about that. I want people to know this is what I think is going to happen. And and I might be wrong about that. God knows I've been wrong a bunch of times in my life. I can count them on one hand. No. (laughs) More than that. I'm wrong daily. I'm wrong every day. Um, But... I can't. I can't count them because I only track the rights. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't have any metrics for wrong. <laughs> I strike out more than I hit home runs, but so did Babe Ruth. 
Yeah, exactly. I, I wanted to ask you about this question that, that April brought up uh, or comment that she made because she mentioned she's excited about you doing a weekly show on Be Live TV, which is the platform that we are using right now. She just heard about that earlier today. And what do you have planned for us on Be Live TV? What can we expect? Yeah, so uh, I'm a, a big fan of BeLive and have been since I discovered it months ago. Uh, you'll notice that I've been conducting my show, Joel.Live, uh, each, almost every week, except when I'm not available or I'm not feeling well or I don't feel up to it or I don't want to. <laughs> but I've been doing them weekly. Um, and typically, it's been myself and uh, my, my partner in crime, Dan Nickerson. But I've also had guests on, just like I have on a number of my other streams. And uh, talking with uh, with Daniel and the team over at uh, BeLive.TV, we think there's a really great fit for me to do a weekly show on their channel called Joel.Live on BeLive. And so, uh, we're kick so my show will be moving from my Facebook personal page where it's been to the be live page. And if you're on uh, uh, Facebook, it's be live app, facebook.com forward slash be live app, I believe, or just type in be live and you'll see the be live.tv logo like it appears um, up here. And I'll be sharing that from that page. And I'm actually kicking it off this Wednesday. And I've got a fantastic guest. I met a, a guy a few years ago. His name is Andy Grignan. And Andy is one of the guys who was on the Apple team working with Steve Jobs. In fact, he was the, he was responsible for Dashboard, you know, the little thing that, that popped up. Um, and he was responsible for the original iChat. And we're talking, you know, years ago. Well, he was one of the 10 that worked on the original iPhone um, OS. And uh, he's going to be joining me Wednesday. And he's got some great stories about working at Apple with Steve Jobs. And so uh, I'm really uh, thanks to the, the guys at uh, BeLive.TV for believing in me and just want to create uh, content and great value for those who watch. And I would encourage everybody to go like that page and watch for notifications of my show. 3 p.m. Eastern this Wednesday. Yeah. Two days the, from today. Very nice. Right. Um, I, I want to ask you real quick about Snapchat uh, IPO coming up this week. Um, are you excited about the future of Snapchat and what difference do you think they're getting into hardware as <laughs> it's like a model. It's like the airplane thing. Uh, you're giving, <laughs> pull the mask down. <laughs> so, uh, are you, are you, uh, are you bullish on Snapchat? Are you excited about the future of, of Snapchat? Um, where do you think Snapchat fits in now that Instagram's added stories and live video and all that good stuff? Okay, so we'll we'll go to my other predictions. Um, okay. Snapchat needs to go live. This is the gateway to live. Uh, I'm glad that they're a camera company. They have some uh, some cool ideas. Uh, they're definitely they've got a lot of the millennials using. It. I think the numbers were 160 million um, users that are watching a crap ton of videos. That's my metric for mega billion, a crap ton. And uh, <laughs> this is this is a cool first generation device. Shout out to Todd Bergen for uh, acquiring them for me into Rochester Optical for creating um, these prescription lenses that are progressive. These are great. These are just the same lenses that are in my regular glasses. So I can wear them um, out and about and I can just like that, I can begin snapping whatever it is I'm watching. And I've been doing it lately with my cooking, which has been interesting. Oh, and then, cool. of course, we Bluetooth <laughs> this to uh, to my, my device. But this is all about live. Snapchat has to go live. Um, I, I coined the, uh, the acronym EPM. Uh, eyeballs per minute. Some could say EPS, eyeballs per second, but I like per minute because uh, that's we're talking about how many minutes and hours of video people are watching. And a Snapchat can continue dominating in this uh, storytelling space right now, but uh, people watch live videos much longer than they consume the short form snaps that people are putting out there. So they have to go live with it and, uh, and they need to do it soon. And I'll tell you why they are in danger. 
They are in danger from Facebook. Facebook Messenger now has Snapchat-like functionality um, where you can do use all kinds of fun filters, place stickers and emojis, put texts on there, and send snaps to your friends. The one thing that Facebook Messenger doesn't have yet, and I and I this is one of my predictions, and I found out that they actually have tried it in I think Poland or somewhere. It's called Messenger Day is the ability to save and make public your Facebook Messenger snaps, for lack of a better word. Now, when Facebook makes that happen and you can take your daily story and publish it to your public Facebook feed, Snapchat is in trouble. Now, they're not going to be in trouble with their existing audience, the young kids that are using it, some of the millennials that are using it that aren't going to be on Facebook anyway, but Snapchat needs to grow. They need to pull um, many of uh, our age group, right, all the other demographics over to to validate this ridiculous uh, amount of funding that they're going to be getting. And if they can't pull them from Facebook because Facebook can do it already, then they're going to be in trouble. Uh, I, I think they're too slow to move on this live thing. And I think that these should have been made mass available last Christmas. And the, the, the cool novelty of the, the vending machine was fun for a couple weeks. But then, you know, we saw scalpers selling them for ridiculous prices and people got frustrated because they couldn't get them. I don't know if it was a, mer a, a production issue <clears throat> or if it was by design. If it was a production issue, they should have planned it better to roll out mass production because they could have had the distribution just by selling them themselves, if not on Amazon. If it was um, intentional to create scarcity to boister the IPO, I think that that's going to hurt some, uh, I think that could hurt the shareholders in the long run. I will not be buying stock in Snapchat, which would be a great indication that you should because I'm horrible at picking stocks. <laughs> Now, I anybody who watches has watched your snaps can tell that you have a lot of fun on Snapchat. My question is, do you see as an as an internet marketer, a social media marketer, do you see a return on the time you spend there or is it just pure joy to hang out and kind of experience in this different setting from Twitter and and Instagram and Facebook and everything or do you feel that you get a return on the t on the on the, your investment in time? that you put into Snapchat? I, so first of all, I don't snap nearly as much as I used to. It was a daily thing and my audience was growing and I was creating original content and doing some really uh, interesting storytelling and I love doing it. But here's what happens. Um, there's other things in my life that keep me busy and that I want to do. And when I started feeling like the burden of creating content became heavy, it wasn't fun anymore. And so I don't snap nearly as much as I used to. I don't spend nearly as much energy. I'm more into the live video space. Doesn't mean I don't snap at all. Just means that, you know, if I do a story once or twice a week, that's that's pretty much it. Um, I think that the burden to create content is very, very heavy. And those that are really killing it with Snapchat, that is their primary avenue for right. content creation. The other problem I have with Snapchat is it is the spammiest network of all. I mean, let's, uh, I have not opened Snapchat in a couple days. And let's just go ahead and open it. We'll just demonstrate live. When okay. I go to my personal um, snaps over swiping to the right. Okay, there's notifications. So here we go. There are all of these are, I don't know if you could see because the lighting, you can kind of see they're lit up. See the red and okay. So those are new snaps. I will bet you out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight new messages that they are all spam. I will bet you they all are people who I do not know, might not even follow them, sending me a snap. Okay, this one has 199 snaps. Can you see it counting down right there? Blank snaps. Spam. Instantly, I go in and I just, I don't even want to see them all. Block. I don't know who this person is. I, t I can't tell you how many times I've tapped annoying. Let's go to the next one. Blank snap. Somebody just trying to get their numbers up, which are absolutely meaningless, block. So I spend more time blocking people 
on Snapchat. It is the only place where it seems to be socially acceptable to send people absolutely nothing or a picture of their kids or dog when you don't even know who they are or streaks. This, this insane concept that they have of you snap me, I'll snap you and we'll have a streak. Oh my <laughs> gosh, it's, it's insanity and it makes it unfun. People do not know how to snap. And I find it incredibly frustrating. So the more people get on that uh, don't know how to do it, the more frustrating Snapchat becomes for me. And that's all I have to say about that. We have a question from Leslie Nance, who is a Shorty Awards Periscoper of the Year nominee. Vote for her. What is it? Vote go to kitchens with the number two. Vote go to kitchens.com to vote for Leslie. Anyway, she asks, what is your best trick to fit all the social media into your day? Um, do what you want to do when you want to do it. Uh, that's, that's my philosophy for life. Do what you love. Love what you do. Life is good, right? Uh, there's uh, no social media is going to own me. No social media is going to dictate to me how often I need to post and what I need to say. I don't have a social media schedule. I post when I have something to say. It's simple. And therefore, it all it fits. It always fits. Now, there's some days where I want to say more. And um, if that's the case, I try not to fill up my Facebook feed with too much because I want to give people an opportunity to truly engage with what I've posted. Twitter's different. Twitter's like spitting into the wind. You know, it's out there. Boo, boo, boo. You could tweet all you want. We'll make more. Facebook is different. And so uh, same thing with Snapchat. If you overdo it with Snapchat, you're going to lose people unless you're a really, really good storyteller. Even my best stories, the ones I think, this is brilliant. I had a spark of genius. You should watch this all the way to the end. People drop off. What's wrong with you people? This is, I put my heart and soul into this. So There's that's only how I so it. much. Even the best content, we can only consume so much in a day, right? Um when you mentioned you just you you go with it when you feel it, does that mean that you're not really scheduling? You're just posting natively on even on Twitter, or do you schedule I, Twitter? Yeah, so Twitter I do use Buffer, and I do have okay. it. I do have uh, a lot of you know tweets that are set up to go. I think it's ten a day or spaced out at my peak times, but I'll tweet other times as well if I have something that I want to say. Uh, but I find that a lot of the stuff I put out on Twitter can be tweeted at any hour. And so it's a great way to, uh, to keep engagement going. Facebook, uh, no, not at all. It's, it's all organic. Same with the other social networks, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, there's this thing called Google Plus. I don't think it's going to catch on, but occasionally <laughs> I'll, I'll post there. That's the next big one, right? <laughs> Same thing with, with Periscope. Um, apart from my scheduled Facebook Lives, um, rarely do I schedule a Periscope. Although, Ross, I had, uh, I'm, a, I'm a gold Periscope VIP. I qualified for their program because I get more than 2,000 average views to my scopes. And when you're a VIP level, there's a form that you can fill out to let the Periscope team know that you're, you're scheduling a Periscope that you think is going to be really of great interest. And so I used the form for the first time uh, just a little over a week ago because I was going to go to the Denver Art Museum. They had an exhibit for uh, Star Wars costumes and the, the or original costumes from all seven films, like 70 costumes. I thought, okay, so 48 hours beforehand, I went to the page. I told them this is where I'm going to be. This is what time I'm going to go live. And in that way, they are alerted to watch, to flag my account, to see if this is of interest to them, then they might feature me. Well, about I don't know, 25 minutes into my Periscope, I had had, I don't know, a couple thousand people come through. And I think there was maybe 125 that were watching at that moment as I was going through the exhibit. I got a little notification popped up on my scope. Congratulations, you've been featured on Periscope. Let me actually, I can show you the chart. Let me open up my Periscope and I'll show you what happened. The Periscope effect of being featured looks like, let's see, let me go to my broadcasts, and here it is. Okay, tell me if you can see. Down a little bit. That. Oh, yeah. Not see the bad. Chart? See the chart? Yeah. 
the graph, you could see exactly where they started featuring it. It had in a 56 minute and 29 second video, 17,711 live viewers, replay viewers, because it was featured over 126,000. And this is the part that I really love. This is amazing. It shows you time watched. That one broadcast sucked one year and 215 days out of the internet, <laughs> um, which is good because the internet has sucked, you know, 30 years of my life. So it's about time it gave back a little. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. I, I mean, anybody who's come over to Facebook Live from another platform often sees you know, it, particularly if it came from like a blab-like platform or one of the other talk show, what do we call talk show, uh, multi-streaming platforms, and you see your 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 views just go up and up and up, and then you realize that, you know, probably 80% of them are somebody couldn't get their thumb to move. I, whereas, you know, I, when, when people go to other platforms, including Periscope and Busker and these different platforms, they're actually watching for... You know, not by accident, but they're choosing to go there and they're sticking with you for four minutes, eight minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. And so um, I, I wanted to bring Eileen's question about predictions uh, for Facebook Live. But I, I also want to ask you and you can go at this however you want to. What is the value of Facebook Live um, beyond the discovery that obviously so many people can discover you? Are we really... I mean, today, I mean, I guess maybe when you have Joel come on, because I can see that people are really sticking around and asking great questions. But in general, it's, it's you the Pumoji, they're here yes. for the Pumoji. <laughs> the Pumoji is, is, uh, you know, is Facebook Live where people should be? Is that, you know, where most people are going to get their most uh, views and engagement and everything? And what are those views worth? Well, first of all, I would never should on anybody about what right. they should do. Make sure you try the platforms and pick the one where you get the greatest engagement and, and have the most fun and see the greatest results. Uh, you know, look, I, I Periscope um, just as often as I Facebook Live. You saw that, you know, I'm getting great results. I've built quite an audience on Twitter and I wouldn't forsake that audience. I think that that's, they're very valuable. At the same time, my Facebook audience, you folks that are watching right now, you're people that I've built relationships with. Right. Those of you that watch Ross, you know, every time he goes live, it's because you like, know, and trust Ross. And so, um, you know, the relationships I have on Facebook, I believe, are, are they're more direct connections. It's more intimate. You know, I see friends pop on. I see family pop on. I see, you know, uh, customers pop on. And sometimes there's, you know, complete strangers that get introduced to my work. Uh, listen, Facebook now has 1.8 billion users. That is 25% of the world's population. And if you take out the, the population of the world that doesn't have internet access or that isn't free to access Facebook's, you know, there's countries where it's banned and blocked, you know, it sounds to me like the, the majority of the free world is on Facebook. And so uh, it's not going away. And this is just the beginning. You know, if we look at the technology adoption curve, that's a bell curve, um, you know, it starts over here with pioneering, which is what we were doing in 2008 on Ustream.tv. Heck, it's what we were doing in 2015 and into 2016. Then it became early adopter. We're still in the early adopter phase. The, the mass market, mass adoption isn't going to hit until sometime in next year. If not 2019, it's a very slow adoption curve because video uh, scares people. Uh, they're, they're afraid to get on. They're afraid to get in front of the camera. They're afraid of looking stupid. Look, you can look stupid just like me. I do it so well. You can too. Um, they're afraid of what to say. It's, it's different than, you know, just making a post. And so adoption is going to be slow and companies are scared. Brands are afraid. What if something goes wrong? What if something happens? So they're going to get there, but they're going to get there slowly. Facebook's plan for video is nothing less than world domination. Mark Zuckerberg has made it clear and he has doubled, tripled and quadrupled down on video. He's doubled down on uh, virtual reality. You know, he owns this Oculus Rift. He's doubling down on 360 video. And, you know, right now we can use this little nano 
the i3 i um, insta 360 nano on my iphone for periscope but pretty soon it'll be rolled out for uh, verified accounts and eventually for everybody to use on facebook he understands epm eyeballs per minute it's all about that viewing time and, and one of the predictions i made back in 2015 and i'll say it again now is that your smart tv will soon have a facebook live icon on it next to netflix Amazon Prime and Hulu, and they will be broadcasting and then creating original content. Mark my words. Mark them right there. Just make a little mark. So you may want to stay on Facebook Live if you're doing pretty well on Facebook Live <laughs> well, and not, 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 not just answer. run away because you have some, some views that you think, well, maybe they overcounted a little bit. You know what? We'll take it. We'll stay here. Yeah. We'll build on Facebook Live and see where it goes. Um, I hear something really funny. I don't yeah. know what it was I said, but my, my Amazon Echo just triggered. Uh, <laughs> you have one? It just, it just bought us. It just bought all the. It just, it just set you up for automatic them. transactions for everything we discussed. <laughs> uh, the, the, the keyword, and I got to say it softly, otherwise it'll trigger. The keyword is Alexa, right? Right. And I said something that sounded close, and it happens about once a week. I'll be talking, I'll be on a live broadcast, and she'll say, I'm sorry, I don't know what that is, or the weather is. I'm like, what are you talking about in the other room there? I just, just Stop listening to me. <sighs> you, you, ever, you ever say the title of a song that's just a phrase, and all of a sudden the song comes on? I've seen somebody do that. <laughs> well, you, have to, you have to trigger it. You have to say her name. She's like oh, the same okay. So you always have to say Alexa before you give mm -hmm. a command. <laughs> Alexa, what's the weather? It's in Denver, it's 52 degrees, mostly cloudy skies. Tonight, cloudy skies. Low of 38. There, now you know. <laughs> so anybody in Denver, you got your weather from you Alexa via Joel Com. Your show is now more complete. <laughs> yes, you've just launched your meteorology career. <laughs> Congratulations. How about those Patriots? Yes. How about those Patriots? What a game. I'm not a huge football fan, okay? But I'm okay. in Denver. Broncos won last year, and, you know, they got eliminated a little earlier this year, as they should have because they sucked. Um, but uh, this is the year of of the uh, the underdog, and I don't just mean 2017. I mean, like, there is this trend, you know, the whole Brexit thing, and then the Cubs win the World Series, and Trump is the president, and the Patriots come back from the biggest deficit ever. Like, dude, there's something in the air and something in the water. If you feel like you're the underdog right now, this is your time to kick ass. Google Plus is making that comeback. <laughs> this is the year of Google Plus. Finally, finally, the ghost town has awoken. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> hey, did you watch the commercials? Uh, you know, I saw a few of them in passing. I honestly I did not watch the first half at all. I wanted to tune in the halftime show to see if uh, Gaga, uh, lady or not, would um, would make a political statement or if she would be a true lady. And um, I was glad to see that it appealed to uh, all of America. And then I continued watching the game. And I, I, you couldn't take your eyes off of it once you saw, you know, them score. And there was this sense that, even after they scored that first touchdown, um, you know, that could Brady actually do this? Could this be the most stellar, stunning comeback in Super Bowl history? And uh, clearly it was. You, know, you keep watching that clock and going, okay, if they get it going now, right. <laughs> there's still just enough time. If they do something now, and then it'll slow down a little. If they yeah. do something now. Yeah, um, it was amazing. It was just what, what I'm glad I, I'm glad I watched yeah. it. Um, I was just here at home with my laptop in my lap and, and making comments on other people's posts and, and enjoying it. And I act when they won. I was, I don't even know why. I'm not a huge fan of the Patriots. I was like, yes. Right, right. <laughs> hey, so after, um, after Blab, 
disappeared and people were kind AD, of scrambling. Uh, you know, AD is Anno Domini. Yes, AD after AB after Blab, yes. Yeah. Life has managed to go on somehow. Yeah. <laughs> it's great, as you can see from the people here. Much of the Blab community has stayed right. together and everything. Um, and you started mentioning that you were working perhaps with the folks from another platform that might come out at some point. Is there anything more about that that you can tell us? Uh, it's moving forward. It's looking really good. And uh, and I've seen the uh, the current release of it. Um, and it does have uh, some Blab-like functionality. It also has uh, professional broadcaster functionality. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it does push to Facebook. And so uh, I don't know when they're going to uh, roll it out. But the next step when they give me the signal is for me to um, – to secretly invite a number of peers to come kick the tires uh, and then uh, get some feedback from them, a focus group. And I've got a list of people already that, that want that, you know, uh, are going to be involved. They just don't know it yet. Uh, Some know it. And uh, we're just waiting on, uh, on that moment. And hopefully things will move forward pretty quickly because I know I'm eager to use it, you know, for, for the blab like functionality, Um, you know, Huzza, of course, just uh, sold to Kickstarter, and they're shutting down Huzza.io. Um, Crowdcast was a place that I've been doing some shows, but I, I don't like the fact that I can't push it to Facebook. Right. And so although it has the Blab-like functionality of people being able to come in, um, it's not – Blab was just so user-friendly. And I'm still – I'm not upset at them for what they did. I'm upset that they blew it. They just – they blew it. Uh, it. They had such a great opportunity. They didn't listen. I don't know who made the decisions. I don't know exactly why the plug was pulled, but I can promise you if I had been in charge of that operation, we would have made it work. Right. And you look at all the other platforms that have come along that are allowed you to have multiple people on camera, right? And many of them are, are superior broadcasting platforms. The quality, right. the stability, all that stuff, the they're much more nicely designed. You know, as I as I said to you off the air, you know, crowdcast is like a luxury car, except you're driving it in the middle of uh, nowhere, right? right? I mean right. how do you get people to these platforms? What is, I mean, Blab, I don't know whether it happened by accident and they didn't even know or expect what they had, but the social, the social community thing that they built was the best that I've ever seen on any yeah. social network. I they mean, didn't know what they everybody, had. you look at everybody here that I know, and I'd say 95% of them, maybe I followed them on Twitter or something, but I didn't really know them. Until Blab and, you know, Blab is we still keep saying, oh, yeah, we met on Blab. We met on Blab. What what did they do right that that everybody else is having so much trouble, even if they did it by accident? What why were they able to do community? It's not rocket science. It, It when you look at what they did, the simplicity of creating a room and allowing people to participate in the chat and say, I want to talk. Give me a seat. That it made it so simple. You connected with Twitter and then you were there. That was it. This is not rocket science. If somebody wanted to build a competitor uh, that would do what Blab did, although there's nobody doing what Blab did right now, that's all there is to it. Uh, there, you know, I don't think they knew what they had, and the proof in it is twofold. One, they kept shifting what audience they thought they were going after. And two, they refused to start monetizing what they had. If they would have right. monetized what they had, they could still be in business. Instead of chasing, they're like, oh, no, with these people, we can't, we're not going to make money with them. It's the kids who want to talk to each other. So they launched another app, which I don't think it's doing well. Um, I could be wrong, but uh, nobody I know is using it. And I wish them success. You know, sometimes you got to go through a lot of failures in order to, you know, hit success. Just ask Abraham Lincoln. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm i upset that they didn't make it work when they could have. There was no reason to shut the doors. And there was definitely no excuse for instantly closing it and abandoning the community that uh, helped make you. 
Right, right. And uh, I mean, every when you think about it, it's just these different features that they had so made for community. The record button, which most platforms don't have, so we could talk before we went live with everyone. I mean, you and I can talk off the air before the interview starts, but it's not the same as being able to talk without a recording going with eight people, the 20 people, the 50 people who would be in the room before you started. Then you turn off the record button after the show. The show's just like a reason to get people there. And then we continue going for another half an hour to 45 minutes, having a conversation. Anybody can jump in. None of the other platforms have made it so easy for people to come in. Nope. Um, where you can really take calls like a call-in radio show. I could have people coming right out of the chat to ask you a question, thank them, bring somebody else in. I mean, it's great being able to ask these questions and that they come up in the Live interface, but it would be even better if we could bring Eileen in and we could bring right. Sabrina and we could bring everybody who wanted to ask you a question could actually ask you themselves, ask a follow-up, say hi to you, say it's great to what you're working on and, you know, really contribute to the conversation. And, and sometimes you bring somebody on and they'd be so great that, that it ended up being a three person or a four person show. And that was fine, you know, yep. and, and the welcome people like, I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they came up with all this stuff because clearly they had no idea what they were doing, right? I, I, don't, I don't know how they blew it. I understand right. how they did it. Look, there's a lot of happy accidents out there, okay? Twitter is a happy accident. Twitter was – don't tell me that that these guys, that Jack Dorsey knew when we create this thing that you can do a 140-character microblog that it would take off like it did. No way. Happy accident bolstered by a third-party developer community that made tools um, that brought more people in. And then what does Twitter do? Shuts them off. <laughs> Twitter is a clown car. And it's, they're, they're lucky. Twitter got lucky. Something they did resonated with people and the community built it. And then they shut off the community. Oh, sure, you can still go tweet, but they treated the community poorly, and and they still do. I still feel like Jack is the wrong man for the job. This is why Twitter is not succeeding, and live video is their answer, uh, but they need somebody in there who understands media, and I don't think it's Kayvon either. I don't think it's Kayvon. I think, you know, Kayvon and his group of programmers that that created, um, you know, Periscope, understand video more than Twitter did, which is why he's now in charge. But these aren't marketers. Blab was not marketers. Right. And Twitter are not marketers. And maybe they got a bunch of MBAs there, you know, with pointy heads, but they don't know. I don't think they know what they're doing. Yeah. So in my humble and perhaps correct opinion. After, uh, after some talk about Blab and Twitter, let's end on a positive note. What are you really excited about going forward with live video? Uh, all of it. I think live, it. live video. Look, live video is the most significant um, move in social media since the invention of the smartphone. Okay, since we were able to access Twitter and Facebook apps and other social apps on our device, live video is the single easiest way for any business to cost effectively, basically no cost, have the opportunity to reach the world. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm in the process right now of developing a site, which uh, I pro- posted about only in the live video marketing mastermind, but I will tease about it here for those that aren't in the mastermind. The live video academy is coming and it will be the place for all things live video uh, for businesses and brands of any size. And I'm, I'm all in on it because it is the future. Awesome. Looking forward to learning more about that and looking forward to. Are we back? Is it just me? Is it just me now? Am I running the show? Apparently, I'm in charge of the stream now. This show has been...
did this. Um, I, I broke it and. Peter, April, Jay, Rachel, Jason. Are you back, Ross? I am back. I, I was just closing out the show, and all of a sudden it went off. I, I come and <laughs> we, got, we, got all the, we got all the important stuff out there. If you'd like to stay on and do that monologue we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was doing it, and uh, we, you were, as um, uh, Jay says, you were blabjacked. Yes. <laughs> it was- Blabjack. <laughs> hey, Mario Armstrong is here. That's cool. Yeah. Everybody, thank you. Thank you to everybody for stopping. And this has been a, a blast, Joel. It's so great to have you on. And um, I, as I was saying, I look forward to all the different things that you're working on. Keep up to date with Joel at Joelcom, C O M M, on Twitter, Joelcom.com. Don't add a second M for the second com. When you his website. And of course, the show is moving to Be Live TV's page. So, like Be Live TV's page, it's Joel.live every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live. Thank you so much, Joel. It's great having you on. Thanks, Ross. Always a pleasure to enter the live stream universe. Yes. <laughs> and we'll be back thank you and we'll be back thursday night with hillary silver we're talking about relationships dating sex all that good stuff on ask the expert so bring your questions come back thursday night 7 p.m eastern and yes ladies and gentlemen do good stuff you can order it on amazon have a great night everybody